Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
This morning we come uh, to uh, what I think perhaps is the most precious and special moment that happens in the life of the church is when we get to come together and we get to witness the public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by way of baptism. And this morning uh, we're excited because we've got three young men that are coming to make public their profession of faith in Jesus, uh, one young lady and her mother that's coming to, to make her public profession of faith with her sons. And, uh, I mean, I don't know of a better day uh, to be in the house of the Lord than when someone is making that public profession of faith. We come this morning and we think about this, this occasion of baptism. I think the first thing we think about is when Jesus himself was baptized. The Bible tells us that in that moment when God baptized Jesus, that a voice out of heaven says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And I believe that when this occasion happens in life today, the Father in heaven says again, This is my beloved child, in whom I'm well pleased. And all those in heaven hear the testimony of the Father uh, about what's happening here on earth and uh, the, the commitment that's being made. Then we also think about uh, in Acts, where we got Philip is going along the road, and he comes across an Ethiopian. He had been to Jerusalem to worship, and, and he's going back home, and they got to talking about the Bible and talking about life, and, and uh, Philip shared the gospel with this Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian got so caught up and so excited about uh, being a Christian, and he said, look, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? I don't want to wait to get home. I don't want to wait uh, uh, any longer. I want right now to, to make public my commitment to Christ. And the Bible says that Philip and that Ethiopian went down in the water and Philip there baptized him. And the Spirit brought Philip away. And that Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. And I think that's a beautiful picture of today where these young people are walking a new life in Christ, a life of joy. And then finally, we think about what, what we were given in marching order. Jesus to the disciples there after the resurrection gave them what we call the Great Commission to go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here we are, 2,000 years after those orders were given, and, and the church is still being faithful to the marching orders of Jesus. If you wonder, you know, is Jesus alive? We look no further than the pool this morning as testimony that Jesus is very much alive and risen from the dead by way of this testimony and this commitment of life to Him. So today we come to this baptism time in celebration with the feet who are coming down to the pool. This morning, why? Upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and for the remission of your sins, we baptize you, our brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Buried with Christ, risen in the newness of life.
And this morning we've got Emily coming. She's being baptized by Adam. And Emily's going to be also helping Adam in a moment baptize her two sons. Emily L. Ron, upon your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that for the remission of your sins, we baptize you, our sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Buried with Christ, risen in the newness of life. This morning we have uh, Al back in office. We baptized by his body, Jonathan. Anna Ray back in office. Upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the remission of your sins, we baptize you, our sister. Thank the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Buried with Christ, risen in the newness of life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for these that come to make public their commitment of faith to you. And Lord, for the life that is forever changed now. Locked away, sealed away by the Holy Spirit, uh, forever eternally yours, God. Lord, we pray that they know the joy that we talked about there in the book of Acts, where that Ethiopian made his confession of faith and went on his way rejoicing in a new joy found in the Lord. We pray, Lord, that those who are here today who are Christians find their faith strengthened by what has been witnessed and testified to again. And Lord, perhaps if someone watching online, someone here today that is not a Christian, has yet to make this decision, they would 
know that the desire of our heart, the desire of your heart, that today they would be able to help to receive Jesus. Bless this service. Let it be your joy, your honor, and your praise. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, will you? We've got a couple of announcements that need to be made. We've got t-shirts that are in for the uh, Joy Group. And uh, if you didn't pick one up, uh, you need to pick your uh, t-shirt up and uh, pay. At the end of the service, when the president of St. Clair will be out there, you see that, that, that you can get that from her. Uh, also, we've got a uh, Nicaragua uh, mission team announcement for Shay. Come on up and uh, tell us a little bit about that. And uh, also, we've got the uh, uh, annual Mars uh, Family Zoom uh, for missions. That's going to be going on on uh, Saturday, October 7th at 12 p.m. Steward Jerry Ogden uh, uh, prices $30 for a gallon, $18 for a half gallon. Uh, they've got a phone number here that we can give you a call. Uh, we're going to be out there. Y'all going to be out in the next year or two. Thank the Lord for being in the service. If you'd like to have any more questions, you can. See Mark, and uh, they'll answer your questions on that. Uh, also, we've got a baby shower for uh, Aubrey and Jamie Tucker. That's October the 15th, and it's going to be from 1 to 2.30. It's long as we can get a history there. So uh, be sure to make note October the 15th, 1 to 2.30 for Aubrey and Jamie. We're excited for them. Uh, I think I, I saw y'all announce what y'all, y'all reveal what you got. A little, got a little girl coming. I thought I saw that the other day, so we're excited about for y'all, praying for y'all. And then Operation Shoebox, we're preparing to make up for that. On October the 13th, we're going to send out a text on, on that day uh, for, for everybody to, to, to sign up and do what we call Pray Fast and Give. Uh, we'll ask you to, to commit to $5. That's about what your lunch is going to be in line. And on that, on that day, just uh, uh, commit $5 to, to, towards Operation Shoebox. And then skip lunch, your hunger, your, your fast, if you are reminded to pray, and, and lift up your shoe box. Pray that the shoe box ministry goes to where it needs to go, into the, to the, to the homes and villages and communities where the gospel needs to be heard. Because we want to help the most exciting ministry that God has done in this world today. Uh, Operation Shoe Box is this. It's this love of Christ goes into our world. So uh, be a part of that. We'd love to have about 100 people commit to that. They sent that to us around $500. Uh, our goal is $1,500. If you want to give uh, anything more than that, if you want to give uh, beyond that, uh, there's not no way you can uh, do so. 
the teacher that put a note on your check that operations in the shoe box that you can get really good so that you don't want to apply that to the right price. And then this week we've got the meal is going to be barbecue chicken, green beans, carrots, salad bowls, uh, desserts, kids, and hot dogs sponsored by the children's committee. So if you want to sign up for that, even if you're not sure if you're going to come, sign up so that you know if you get out of town or go get And then picnic tables. Now, I think we're real close on having everything that we want. But we're going to be taking up for the picnic tables for the pavilion this Sunday and the next Sunday. Uh, and then there's going to be an order sent in uh, after that. Great. All right. So uh, y'all did really good on that. And if you want to go in as a couple of families that want to go in, uh, there's somebody that you can do that. And uh, we'll, we'll get that knocked out. But we're excited. We hope to have everything in and ready by the time we do our fall picnic uh, coming up soon. Any other announcements? Use tonight at 545, and then uh, we've got uh, uh, the Bible group at 530, and we'll be here at 545. And we're excited this morning because we get to highlight one of the ministries that we are partnering with in our church, and that is Feral Life. Many of you may not know uh, what Feral Life is. Feral Life is uh, uh, just like Boy Scouts, but it's, it's Christian-based Scouting. And this morning, we get to celebrate what uh, these guys are doing as they come together and talk to the young people. See, at least every Thursday, I'm only once a week. So uh, they meet once a week, every Thursday up here. Uh, and they've got a big group, and we're excited to see them. Cash, have you come in? Well, we got a video. All right, so anyway, I'm going to turn it over to the trail like that. Boys and young men need a call to something greater than themselves. This is the Trail Life. Trail Life USA.
And we are excited this morning as we celebrate uh, what uh, our Lord has done in the lives of young men uh, and each other. And we're just going to be sure that everyone here this morning feels welcome to visit with us. You can draw weapons and time for any kind of worship services here as we worship and all on here. We want you to feel welcome as well. We're glad to have you. Glad to have you this person to be stuck. Uh, be part of any one of our songs at this time. We'd love to have you. So we'll stand and greet our guests and neighbors and then go on to sing a message for us together. All right? So get your neighbors.
Take your Bible this morning and open to Luke chapter 15. What a morning. What a morning it's been to be here today in the house of the Lord and in the presence of God. Our little guys are making their way to children's church, so if you guys want to make sure you are ready, I hope you just go up to my left here and y'all can enjoy children's church today. Some of y'all got some back home. Yeah, this way. One of my favorite authors is a fellow by the name of Philip Yancey. And uh, he tells a story in one of his books about a girl. She had a nose ring and a bad attitude. She couldn't stand her parents, uh, even though they were excellent parents who loved her. She ran away. She became a drug addict. And prostitute in Detroit. Months had gone by, and one day she was in the store and she saw her face on the side of a milk carton. Her family didn't know whether she was lost, didn't know where she was at, what had happened to her. Two years later, she's sick, she's desperate, she's been thrown out by her pimps, she's on the streets and has nothing. With no place to turn, she calls her dad and uh, gets his voicemail. It leaves a message. And the message is, she's on the bus coming home. That's all she knows. I'm going to go back home to my old house. As she steps off the bus, to her amazement, she's greeted by all of her brothers, her sisters, her uncles, her aunts, her cousins, her grandparents, her parents. And they're all wearing party hats and a huge banner that stretched out from one end to the other that said, Welcome home. As she rushes to her father, she wants to say to him, I'm sorry. But her father puts his hand to her mouth and says, We'll talk later. But right now, you're home. And there's a party. There's a banquet that's waiting just for you. That story may sound familiar to you. Because it was told in another way by, I believe, the greatest storyteller in all the world, that's Jesus. And some 2,000 years before, he told a story very similar. I think it's one of the most famous love stories ever told. It is an unbelievable story in the sense that it is the unbelievable love of a father for a son. Actually, two sons. It's the story that that God loves us, and uh, He never gives up on us. I want to look at verses 11 through 32 with you, Luke 15, and read what we call the, the, the story of the prodigal son, which is really, I think, the story of a, of a loving father. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided it to them his livelihood. 
And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there awaited his possession and prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want and even hungry. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to the field to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pies that the swine ate, and no one would give him anything. But when he came to himself, and when his mind began to realize again, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and carry to hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great ways off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here to kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked them, What did these things mean? And they said to him, Your brother has done. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, and I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatty calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It is likely that you may marry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Anybody and everybody can relate, I think, to this story that we listen to this morning. Or somehow we find ourselves somewhere in this story. Shakespeare wrote a play based upon this story. Uh, Rembrandt painted a portrait of it. Charles Dickens, perhaps the greatest English novelist, uh, called it the greatest short story that has ever been given. Uh, it is, I, I would say, a wonderful story, but it's often a mistold story, a misunderstood story. Because it, it often stops us well when the prodigal son comes home. But it's not just about one son. It's actually about two sons. In verse 11, we're told that the man had two sons. There were two sons here, two brothers. And they both represent every person in this world who is apart from God. And Jesus is talking about those two groups in this story. He's talking about what we would call sinners and Pharisees. In this story, there's one group of people who, well, they're, they're banned from going to church because they're dirty with sin, because they're, they're filthy with the, the way of the world, and uh, they have a problem with, 
that And then there's another group that, 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 that's represented here. They're the, the self-righteous. They don't miss church. They, 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 they live a moral life, but yet they too are like the younger son and a stream from God. And so one group or another, we used to often find ourselves existing in. Another misnomer is that the story is about either son. It really isn't. Uh, the main character of the story is the father. Uh, in Rembrandt's uh, portrait and his painting, the father is right in the center of the canvas. Uh, he's mentioned some 20 times uh, in his verses. He's the hero of the story. So the story isn't so much about these two different sons, uh, one being a sinning son and the other being a bitter son, but it's really about a forgiving father. And the key takeaway I have for you today is this. We have a heavenly father who loves us, who wants to forgive us of our sins. And the whole point of the parable is very simple, that the door is always open for the Father's house for you to come home. And the word welcome is always put out, for God wants you to come to Him. And the parable falls neatly into three little parts I want to give you quickly this morning. Number one, I want you to notice the Father loves us when we rebel against Him. The story begins with a son who evidently had a good home, had a wonderful father, had everything in life he could want, but for some reason he was convinced that life was better apart from the Father. And sometimes we get the idea that the grass is greener on the other field, right? And that's kind of what he, he wanted. He, he, he was tired of sowing corn uh, and oats. He wanted to say so as wild oats in the city. And in verse 12, we read that the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And so the father has honored to get his livelihood. Now, immediately, this would have shocked the people listening to Jesus. Because it was a Jewish law, a Jewish custom, it was very clear, it's very simple. Uh, there were two brothers, there was a younger brother and an older brother, and the older brother would get two thirds of the inheritance, and the younger brother would have gotten one third. Uh, and there was a catch to it. In order to receive your inheritance, the father had to die. And so, in effect, what the younger son is saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish that you were dead because I'd rather have what you have financially than have you personally. Can you imagine hearing uh, anything like that? Can you imagine uh, how your heart would be devastated to hear one of your children say that I'd rather have your money than you? I'd rather have the, the, the stuff than you? And this is really a way of dishonoring the father, the father or disgracing the father, disowning the father. And the audience would have been uh, expecting the, for the father to kick the boy out, to give him a good beating or at least a good tongue lashing. But in the story, Jesus says the father doesn't do any of these things. He does the unthinkable. He grants the son his request. And he's letting the son know, you may love my stuff more than you love me, but I want you to know that I love you more than my stuff. And the boy leaves with a big smile on his face while dad is there just weeping with a broken heart. And to start things off, things kind of go pretty good. Not long after the younger son, he, he, he's off in a far country and he's living it up. 
the building things he squandered all of his wealth in life of living, wild living. He's living the fast life. He's living uh, the life of wealth, wine, and women. And uh, he's like a rich kid in a, uh, a candy store. He's having a good time. But eventually, hard times come. Trouble comes up. And we read that everything uh, that he knew was gone. And there was a severe famine in the land. So that he began to be in want and in the need. Listen, that word squandered, the first person to know means to blow. It simply means he blew it. And he didn't just blow through his money, he blew through his character, he blew through his reputation, he, he blew through his integrity, he blew through his, uh, his influence, he blew through his marketing, and most of all, he blew through his relationship with his family. He'd gone from the hero to hero, uh, literally, uh, in the blink of an eye. And uh, now his pocketbook is empty. The women are dull, the wine glasses are dried up, and he's hit rock bottom. And so he hires himself out for those, to another citizen in the far country. And that citizen sends him into the field to feed the pigs. And he, we're told that he was so hungry that he longed to fill his stomach with the, with, with, with the food that the pigs were eating. But no one would even give him that. And if you know anything about the Jews, you would know that pork is one of those things that, you know, is untouchable. So the idea of having to work with pigs uh, would just be something that would have been absolutely scandalous for a Jew to, to, to think about doing. Uh, they, they, they wouldn't even think about taking pigs in a pig pen. Uh, and here he is. He's a young man who went from living out of the hall to living in under the hall, uh, so to speak. And the point is, and I don't want you to miss this, is that, that the world will take everything you have and give you nothing that you need. That's what this boy learned. The world is no friend of yours. The world will take everything you have and give nothing you need. The boy has lost everything that was really important except for one thing, and that was the love of the Father. He was bankrupt in every way except for one thing. He had a father that loved him. And there is one thing that's true for you and me. No matter where we are in life, how far we go, no matter how bad we blow it, I will tell you, God always loves you. He didn't love you partially. He didn't love you just a... In kind of a controlled way where if you come to church and do a certain thing, He loves you a certain amount. No, God loves you completely, totally, and absolutely in every way. Someone said, you know, uh, it's, uh, he said it beautifully, a sinner may go to hell unsaved, but no sinner will ever go to hell unloved. And I'm sure it is. So, I want you to see the Father loves us when we rebel against Him. Secondly, I want you to see where the Father looks for us until we return to Him. Verse 16, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with a pie that the swine ate, and no one would give him anything. This boy's in need. He's spiritually, physically bankrupt in every way. Uh, he is uh, relationally bankrupt. And the only thing that you can say about this one kid is, is, uh, is this. Cheer up, son. 
things can't really work. Like if you're at the hard bottom, that's about the best thing you can say. He's at rock bottom. And then we go to verse 17. It says that he came to himself. You know, when it comes to uh, repentance at heart, repentance comes to us in three ways. It comes in our mind, it comes into our heart, and it comes through our actions. The Bible says he came to himself. He began to see life differently. He began to see his father differently. He began to see where he had a home differently. He began to think differently, like the father had taught him to think. And he began to, uh, to say to himself, differently in my heart, I'm going to get up from here. I want to go home. I'm going to leave this life behind. I'm going to give up this, this life that's living. I'm going, to, I'm going to turn my back on that. So there's a change of heart. Change your mind, change your heart. And the Bible says he got up and he went home. That's the change of thought. There's a full repentance that's taken place in the story here. Now, I love the way Jesus puts it. The boy just comes to his senses. You see, if you go to a far country, and by the way, a far country is not hard to find. It's on every map. Because no matter where you are, if you're separated from God, you're living in a far country. But when you, when you cross into a far country, it doesn't just affect your heart, it affects your mind, it affects your body, it takes everything from you. Satan wants to take everything from you that he can. Mind, heart, and body. And he said, I'm going to go back home. When the author Robert Frost finished, he said, home is the place where uh, you have to, to go there, uh, and they have to take you in. And like a pigeon, the, the homeless thing can't kick in on this point. And to home he goes. And he knows it's really the only place he has left to turn. And then in verse 20, we read, he rose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, the father saw him, had compassion, and ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. The son had turned his back on the father, but the father had never turned his, his back on the son. The son had strutted out the front door, uh, uh, kind of like a road, and now came home uh, on this road, kind of like a pig. Long before his father, uh, long before he saw the father, the father had seen him. And again, this scene that Jesus is telling us is amazing from a, uh, from a Jewish kind of understanding. You see, in ancient Hebrew culture, it was considered completely undignified for an older man to run. For an older man to run, he would have had to take off his outer garment, strip down basically to his undergarment. But this man didn't care. He wouldn't have cared what anyone saw or what anyone would have thought. He wanted the whole world to know his son was coming home. And there was an unconditional love. And then there's these two arms that are always open, waiting to be held by his family. And that's what makes this story, I think, so very amazing. Is that at first the son is broke, and now he's broken. And, and the father literally smothers the boy with kisses. And the boy, he's filthy, and the dad doesn't care that he tastes like dirt, he smells like dirt. He says, son, I'm just so glad you're home. And, and that's the way the father lives. When we come back to him, when he comes to, to the heavenly father, he doesn't care if we're dirty. He doesn't care if we stink or the, 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 the stench of this world. He's just glad that we're back to him. And so get this picture. Because you're looking at God the Father and how he treats us when we come home, no matter how far from God we wander. And, uh, and, and he speaks to us. 
with a heart of tenderness and forgiving. And he runs to him and commits us with the feet of forgiveness. And he puts his arms of forgiveness around us. Uh, and he kisses us with the lips of forgiveness. And his son now tries to, to give this reverse speech to tell the father all these things that he's done and what he's willing to do to do and how he, he just wants to be a, a servant now. And, and, and the father says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Forget all that. You're home. And the father says, go get the ring and put a ring on his finger. Go get the robe and put a, a, a new robe on my son. A ring in that day was a day of was, was, a, was a way of transaction and business. And as is the dad to say, my bank account is your bank account. My credit cards are your credit cards. You have nothing. Now you have everything that's mine. Uh, you know, and, and the son just simply says, I'm no longer worthy to call your son. I just want to be one of your servants. But, but the father says, no, no. No, no, you're not a servant. You're my son. And, and, they, and, and they put sandals back on him. Back in that day, slaves uh, would not wear sandals. They would have been barefoot. Uh, and so in, in every picture, uh, there is a beautiful picture of the father restoring this, this, this wayward son uh, to the fullness of that relationship. So the father loves us when we rebel against him. And the father looks for us until we return to him. And finally, the father longs for us when we reject him. Think about it. Uh, everybody should be happy with the story, but not everybody was. The older brother, the older son, was in the field. And when he got near to the house and he heard the music and he heard the dancing and he heard the party, he wanted to know what these things meant. And the working servant says, Well, your, your brother's home. And now they're, 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 they're rejoicing, they're, they're making merry, they're having a party. And he became upset. And he was angry and would not go in. And the father came out and pleaded with him. How amazing it is that this son is so angry. Uh, he takes this radical step of breaking the relationship with the father because for a son to refuse to go in and be a part of the banquet in that day would have been really uh, a way of uh, breaking the relationship that he had with the father. It would have been an unspeakable insult. It would have been a cultural slap in the face. Why was he so angry? He was jealous. He was like, you, you never did anything like this to me. And I, and I didn't go live life with you. I didn't go off to live a, a sinful life. Uh, you, you were just so much as a, even a goat to me and my friends. And, uh, and, and, and so one son uh, was ashamed of his sinfulness, but the other son was proud of his goodness. But both sons were far from the Father. Both represent people who were far from God. Only the second son didn't recognize it. You know, the hardest people to lead to the Lord Jesus, to get people to come to Christ, are people who, who think they're, they're so good they don't need God. Or they think their goodness is, is what connects them to God. And they're the older brother who is in rebellion against the Heavenly Father. The younger brother is still out there. Uh, he's still out there. Uh, uh, he refuses uh, to come in. And the story concludes there. My, 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 the father says, my son, you, you've always been good to me. And everything I have is yours. But we celebrate 
and we're glad because your brother went to the dead and was alive. That was love, so now be found. You understand why God saved him to this world? He saved us that He's given our lives to God. We live for Him. We obey Him. We honor Him. And that's what matters. As far as we know, the older brother never did go home. He reminds me once again of something that I've seen in my own ministry. And it's this. It's much easier for me to know righteous people of God than it is for me to accept righteous people of God. And I want you to think about this one last thing. And, uh, and you know, there's actually a third side of this story. And it's the side who tells the story. It's because of that son who died on the cross that we can come back from the dead, from this life of sinfulness, that we can have some forgiveness and come uh, uh, to the Father and know how to be forgiven. Perhaps today you're living in the far country. You've got a friend from God. And, uh, you know, you're like, I'm tired driving and I'm not tired. I'm not tired going my own way. I'm tired of hearing what Satan offers me and, and how to get accepted in his hand. God says, I'm waiting on you. Will you come home to me? And with open arms, God receives you back. I've had people tell me, you're free. I'd go to church, or I'd come to church, but I've got to get some things fixed in my life. I've got to get this fixed in my life. I've got to get that fixed in my life. I need to do this right. And and then, when I get all that worked out, I'll be back. Here's an opportunity. God says, belong to God. God says, come back to me. You come back, just come back to me. You come to me and let me work on the things that need to be worked on in your life. Let me make you a son. Let me establish a relationship first, and then we'll work on those other things. Perhaps maybe this morning you're the older brother. You know, this whole concept of salvation and forgiveness is, is something still that just doesn't register with you. And you're still got your, 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 your hands gripped around heaven. And I'm going to get into heaven because I'm a good person, because I give money to the church and I do things for people. Dear friend, you're going to get to heaven. There's one way to heaven and one way only, and that's through Christ who Christ alone. And if you've not come to Christ, I will tell you, the Bible says your good things that you do are filthy rags unto God, nothing to God. Perhaps maybe you're the older brother today that's in the far country and still needs to come to the altar and pray. Heavenly Father, I come and I receive the forgiveness that you give to me from you, my Lord and my Savior. Father, whatever decision might need to be made today, we come to a time of decision-making where we do that which we have it to do. Lord, today, if there's one here that needs to give their heart to you, then Lord, today we let them. Come and make public that commitment, that profession of faith. In your name, Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing the Lord's closing. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you 
about what God has led you to do, if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you, and we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.